They say that comparison is the thief of joy. If that's true, then joy is more valuable a commodity than ever. Our Facebook pages and Instagram feeds are constant fuel for comparison. Everyone posts their best picture of the best meals and best vacations, and often it may feel you can't measure up. Plus, even if you do manage to find happiness, it can be short-lived. Eventually, some big change comes and washes over you with a new round of insecurity and anxiety. If that sounds familiar, you aren't alone. Neil Pasrika, author of The Book of Awesome and The Happiness Equation, says he encounters people who feel this way every day. There's a really interesting thing happening right now with happiness around the world. There's three real takeaways I'd like to point out. One is that if you go to Google and you type in how to be, the first drop down is happiness. We actually want happiness more than we want to be rich, pretty, or a real estate agent, which are the number two, three, and four most searched for terms. So we want happiness, right? You look around, everybody wants to be happy. Luckily, Pasrika says there is actually some good news for people searching for joy. We know what to do about happiness. There's an entirely new body of work under positive psychology that's put out hundreds of studies now that teach us specifically what we can do. So my job, I'm not a positive psychologist. I'm someone who distills and takes all the research. I do some on my own, but I really take all of that, and I try to package and communicate it in really simple terms for people. So I like to lay out little exercises, habits, and tricks people can do to actually put their brain into a positive mindset. But don't get confused. Pasarika says just because he does that for a living doesn't mean he's happy all the time. It is easy for people to look at the Book of Awesome and the Happiness Equation and sort of think that I am an awesome or happy guy when the truth could not be further from that. Here's the thing. I wrote the Book of Awesome after my wife left me and after my closest friend sadly took his own life. And I needed some salvation from that pain. So I wrote down an awesome thing every single day on my blog for a thousand straight days. That produced the Book of Awesome. I write these things about translating positive habits and how we can live a more intentional life because I'm searching for it myself. I got an email this morning saying, I'm going through a really tough divorce. I'm trying to find happiness. Thank you for writing the happiness equation because it's helping me understand how I need to prioritize my life. That's what keeps me going because that's the same situation I was in and I sometimes can still be in, but these books are like a bomb for me as well. Pasrika says the biggest roadblock to our happiness is nothing new. It's the old standby, seemingly always present to bring us down, anxiety. One of the reasons we're not finding happiness today is because we're really stressed out. You know, we have so many decisions we're making a day. People are balancing so many things, multiple jobs. There's all kinds of rising of anxiety levels, depression levels. And so for me, and I personally experience this, you know, I'm the guy that has seven notes in this pocket of things to do and too many browser tabs open. I can't see anything anymore. And I'm finding myself getting anxious as I go through my days. So I started writing down three things I would focus on, on a cue card every morning and just leaving it in my pocket. Having only three enabled me to get a good job done. I started flipping that around and writing gratitudes on the back of it at nighttime. And over time, I eventually started writing down an anxiety. So I'd wake up in the morning, as sort of macabre as it may sound, and I'd write down something I was worrying about overnight. Five pounds of belly fat or comparing myself to another successful author or whatever it is. Of course, not all anxiety is made equally, especially in times of dramatic change. Moving, changing jobs, the end of a relationship, each of these can throw our lives into disarray. Navigating this change and staying happy is the goal of Sharon Wiles' book, Changeability, How Artists, Activists, and Awakeners Navigate Change. 
change is the nature of this life. We are different with every breath, with every moment we wake up and it's a new day. You know, it's kind of a miracle that we can recognize ourselves in the mirror every day or that we recognize our partner or that we go to work perhaps, but it's different. The challenges that come up, the problems, the questions, the customers, they're all different. These books are meant to help people with personal change, with relationship change, with health change, with career change, with public changes. I get a lot of people who just talk about their enormous frustration when they're working in sort of entrenched institutions like school systems or government offices or something like that. In writing her book, Wilde talked to notable change makers to ask them how they embrace change without getting overwhelmed by it all. Everyone has a habitual response to change, just built in. It's sometimes regardless of the change. Sometimes the problems that people have with change is just the speed of the change. It's happening too fast or it's happening too slowly. Or sometimes the problem that people have with change is that they didn't see it coming. They weren't prepared for it. They didn't see it coming. So what they're actually working with is shock and trauma. Sometimes our response to change has to do with loss and grief because there's always loss. Even if the change is necessary, even if the change is wanted, there's often loss and grief that come with that change. So when the trauma and shock of change is too great, we naturally feel anxiety, which leaves little room for joy. We worry that we can't get things back together, that we don't make enough money or see our family enough. Weil says it's important in these moments to stop for a second and focus on ourselves. One of my guests is Robert Littman, who is a breath and a movement educator. His work is called The Breathable Body. And he talks specifically into anxiety as being not so much an emotional issue, but the body's response to a lack of oxygen. Because what happens when we get afraid, whether the fear is real or imagined, and a lot of fear is imagined fear, and our body responds to it the exact same way as if a bear was coming at us, that we hold our breath. We shut the breath down. The body is going into anxiety because it doesn't have enough air. And then we get afraid even more. And really, we think of it as an emotional issue, anxiety. But according to Robert Littman, it is a function of a breathing pattern that can be corrected. And both Weil and Pasrika say that often in life, it is when we overcome those fear stimuli that we experience more joy. People talk about fear all the time, things that they're afraid of. I'll be honest with you, people are afraid of telling the boss that they want a promotion or maybe making a switch to a new job or moving to a new house, changing relationships, right? We all have fears. I had a fear my whole life about swimming. I was scared of swimming my whole life. I couldn't do it, so there was no can-do inside me, no capability. So I didn't want to do it. There was no motivation, so I didn't do it. There was no action. And this is how we think about any fear in our life. There's a can-do part, and then there's the want-to-do, and then there's the do. You've got to have the capability, then the motivation, then the action. You don't have those, you don't do it. That's what happened to me. That happens to anybody. They want to run a marathon, write a book. You just don't do it. It took me till my first date with my now wife, Leslie, to realize that this model is backwards. See, she asked me over dinner if I liked swimming. 
And I said, no, I don't. <laughs> I didn't want to tell her I couldn't swim. And she said, oh, no, that's too bad because my whole family goes up to an island in the summer and we jump off the dock and we swim around the island and it's so fun and everyone goes and my old grandparents go and my tiny cousins and I guess you just can't come. Pastor Rico says he went home that night and signed up for adult swimming lessons. Later that year, Pastor Rico was able to swim around the island with his girlfriend and her family. One possible explanation for how Pasrico was able to face his fear, change his mindset, and finally learn to swim is that he finally had the proper motivation. A lot of people are not successful in the changes that they want to make because their reason isn't compelling enough. And so if you're in a change or you want to make a change and it's not moving, you've got to look at your reason why and perhaps strengthen your compelling reason. And I find that the biggest reason that people will make a change is on behalf of someone or something that they love. You know, people sometimes say, I'm making this change. I want to make this change because I'm afraid. Fear does not move us. Fear stops us. It arrests us. It holds us in our tracks so that our compelling reason has to be the fire that burns through that fear to give us more oomph to be able to make that change. If you want to read more into navigating change and staying happy, Neil Pasarica's The Happiness Equation and Two Minute Mornings Journal, as well as Sharon Wild's Changeability, are available now. For more information about all of our guests, log on to our site at viewpointsonline.net. You can find an archive of past programs there, as well as on iTunes and Stitcher. I'm Gary Price.